Okay, where to start? Ever since I was born, I loved music. As soon as I could, I started a band. Right away, we knew he was something special. Immediately, I said, man, this guy right here, he's going to make it big. Connor for Real is actually saving the record industry. Everybody's just waiting to see, like, what he does next. Connor's hot. You tell me you didn't see him and say, yo, he's the star. It's Connor. I've got it all, and I'm getting more. Adam Levine's hologram. So expensive. Um, okay, and then I guess my other question is, uh, where are you in Schmigadoon? Because I'm also now developing thoughts about that. Okay, so I have only gotten through the pilot because okay. it bugs me. Yeah, you know, I, Key is taking me out of it. Yeah, uh. so I I think it's the musical numbers, the whole musical world, fantastic. Oh my god. Great, it, I think that's great. And oh songs are well written, I think, and very so well And so funny, so yes. funny. I've laughed aloud, I've LOL'd, and it's great. But Cecily Strong isn't a strong actor, and Keegan-Michael Key is too strong of an actor. There's no it, chemistry between them, so I don't none buy. None at all. There's none of that. I don't buy that they're together and that they're breaking up. Like, I feel like they're both indifferent to each other. So it's, I don't really want to continue, but I will because of Kristen Chenoweth, obviously. Right. I mean, well, it's Kristen Chenoweth. It's Armisen is mm-hmm. in it. Um, yeah. Jaime Camille has <laughs> a role later oh, on. I can't wait to see um, that. That was what convinced, because like, Basically, Stacy's parents told her, like, you have to watch Schmigadoon, it's so cute. And then my parents told me, you have to watch Schmigadoon, it's so cute. And Stacy's like, whatever. <laughs> and then she saw Jaime Camille was in it. She's like, well, we should check it out. Because you know, he is see. so talented and yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you're watching it for that. I, the musical numbers are great. But yeah, so, like, Cecily Strong, I thought in the pilot was good. But then in future episodes, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's... Uh, I didn't think she was good in the pilot either. You know, it's funny because she had an interview on Conan's pod and it was so boring (laughs) and I I was like maybe she just wasn't on her game but I just think she just is boring and that bothers me because many white men that I've dated have told me that I look like her and I'm like that's rude because she's boring (laughs) yeah I don't I don't uh, necessarily agree with that but thank you uh, the you know I think I don't think they wrote either of the two leads especially well is the other no. problem. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, they try to give Cecily too much, and all they give Key is saying, that's ridiculous. Like, that's it. Like, can we stop now? It's like... Right, exactly. exactly. I don't... Um, it's like the first rule of improv, which is funny because this was produced by Lorne Michaels and written by SNL people. But the first rule of improv is not to have somebody you be don't like, say no, no. <laughs> I don't want this. Like, that doesn't help... It's 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 a it's unfortunate, but I'll continue on because maybe their characters will change. But the the ba- they make jokes about my favorite part of every musical, which is where you have to set up the musical number. That's my favorite thing. Where it's like <laughs> corn pudding. I've never heard of that. You've never heard of corn pudding. Corn and- pudding. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that stuff I love. And I think it's just great how five years ago everyone was like, Key and Peel are geniuses. And now everyone's like, Peel is a genius and (laughs) Key is fine. Key is fine. 
He's the most just fine actor. Yeah, I'm- of you and me staring back at us while frozen on the screen crack the white noise and pretend that we're asleep we're asleep dream 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 what if one podcast could save the people oh no what if two hosts could end all evil well good news everyone it's this podcast and these hosts you're listening to probably should have known better Celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly. My name is Tony Ginocchio, uh, joined as always by my wonderful co-host and dear friend. And probably the best way to think of her is as the uh, ghost face to my uh, Raekwon. It's like we're both in the Wu-Tang clan, <laughs> but then we go off and we do other things separately, but then we come back and it's like we're still in, in the Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang clan, clan <laughs> together. Uh, it's Nadia Vasquez. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny because I a little part of me thought you said instead of hosts, I thought you said hose, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> good for us. Uh, I am very excited for today. This is my personal, one of my top three favorite movies of all time. Of all time. Of and all time. I had, I had not seen it before, uh, <sighs> and I can say uh, truly a wonderful experience watching it. It's so good. <laughs> it, it's uh, one of the few that I've bought in – nobody buys movies anymore. One of the few that I've bought in the last, like, couple of years, anytime I feel any type of way, I'm like, I'm going to put on Popstar, and then everything is fine. What yeah. a movie, what a soundtrack. The, one of the top albums of 2017 for me. <laughs> From Spotify, legitimately know every word to that soundtrack. The, the the funniest part of it is it's probably going to be in my like Spotify unwrapped for 2021. Yeah! <laughs> uh, so good. As Nadia said, folks, it's pop star Never Stop, Never Stopping. Uh, from 2016, directed by Akiva Schaefer and Yorma Taccone, starring The Lonely Island, which of course is Schaefer, Taccone, and Andy Samberg, along with... Tim Meadows, Sarah Silverman, Joan Cusack, Chris Red, Nas, Questlove, Carrie Underwood, <laughs> Mariah Carey, Ringo Starr, ASAP Rocky, Justin Timberlake, Wynn and Regina Butler of Arcade Fire, DJ Khaled, Seal, and the Jester of Tortuga, Michael Bolton. Oh, and also Simon Cowell. Oh, God, that's right. Jeez, and the Roots. There's a lot of, lot of cameos in And Adam this. Levine. There's so many. Ca- <laughs> this is like the movie where they're like, we're super famous. <laughs> Uh, not officially, uh, produced by Lorne Michaels, as it turns out, it's actually a Judd Apatow Mm -hmm. production, but obviously built off of, uh, the work that all three of the performers did in Saturday Night Live, and, uh, definitely, you know, Yorma co-directed this, he also directed MacGruber, which we've already talked about and is also outstanding, definitely the kind of humor I think that you and I both love Nadia, yes. which is just being so aggressively stupid yes. to the point where it comes back around and is actually smart. It, and then also, this one was particularly emotional, which you don't expect. <laughs> And well, that's the that's the Apatow difference. That's the Apatow difference for sure, for sure. But it it's so many good things about how dumb it is 
that you have to watch it multiple times to catch it all, which I think is the epitome of perfection. So, you know, with that in mind, Nadia, can you just kind of summarize the plot really quickly for us to the extent that there is a plot and there's not much for it? There's not much plot. It's a documentary style movie. Uh, based on the life and career of the Style Boys, which includes uh, Connor For Real, who is played by Andy Samberg, Kid Contact, who is uh, Yorma Taconi, and Kid Brain, who is Akiva Schaefer. And they were a part of this great rap group that was, like, huge. But, you know, Connor For Real, he was the star of it, and he let his ego get ahead of himself, and they broke up, and he took off and was a solo artist that went to, you know, date a bunch of celebrities and make a whole lot of money. And he, unfortunately, has lost himself along the way. And, you know, this podcast is about looking at uh, comedy, well, I'm, lose, I'm using the term comedy very loosely here. Comedy who that like, you know, we weren't doing very well as a society in a lot of these cases, a lot of these years. But we eventually decided that we could do better. And that's why we started this podcast. And that's what this movie is about. You know, we have a musician who wants one thing but ends up getting another, which is becoming a better person. And that's what we he, see throughout the very long movie that it is. <laughs> yes, he's touring on his second album, which which it turns out is a massive flop. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, will kind of talk through how he kind of tries to compensate for that and ultimately ends up uh, reconciling with his former bandmates. Um, and, and the other thing, you know, this movie contains maybe, I would say, 10,000 references to extremely specific events in popular music from the 2000s and yes. 2010s. Uh, and I, I do want to talk later in the episode about if if we think the movie is still going to work 20 years from now. I think it is. But I like, think it is. Yeah. Uh, but like every single reference in this film is executed perfectly. Oh, like, it's so perfect. There's, there's a scene where it kind of for real goes on Fallon, and it is <laughs> exactly how a fucking pop star showing up on Fallon would play out. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they do the Poppy Awards, because they didn't get the rights to the VMAs, like, the number they do there plays out exactly like a big marquee VMAs number. And there's yeah. a song that's a parody of Same Love by Macklemore. Like, it's just... It's so it's good. Really, it's, it's so precise, so brilliantly done. I was blown away by this. It's... I am so happy that you liked it. Because if it had turned out that I, it's, I'm obsessed with it and you were like, no, I really hated it, I would have been really, really bummed out. But the other, and the other thing is, like, if you go and listen to the soundtrack, which, you know, it's on Spotify or whatever, like, it, it's like, you know, a lot of the, you only hear parts of the songs yes. uh, for most of these songs in this movie. You only hear part of Things in My Jeep. You only hear <laughs> part of Hunter the Hungry is Gonna Eat. Mm-hmm. Go and fucking listen to those songs because there's more jokes in there. They're like, so I didn't good. realize, I didn't realize Linkin Park is on things in my jeep yeah it's just chester may he rest in peace rest and in peace chester. He, yeah he he does the he does this the chorus but it, it's not in the movie but you gotta right. listen to the whole thing because it's actually it goes hard and and then the 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 hunter the hungry is gonna eat which is chris red's character is a rapper named hunter the hungry who's very obviously a parody of tyler the creator yes and uh 
that track sounds so much like a Tyler track from like 2012 uh-huh. that I, I want to check the credits to see if they got Tyler to work <laughs> on it. It's it's incredible. There's also B sides that are on the soundtrack that play like when they're at the club. Mm-hmm. And those are incredible. There's one that's called Legalized, and it's not about weed. It's about legalizing meth. It's very good. <laughs> and then Emma Stone has a song called Turn Up the Beat. Yes. And it's it's legitimately a banger. Emma Stone is the Latin dance star. <laughs> she just can't stop playing other races. Uh, and so... Uh, now, now, like, Nadia said, this is a documentary, and, and people have compared this movie, I think it's a good comparison to This is Spinal Tap in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. The yeah. story kind of lines up, too, and This is Spinal Tap also had really specific references to, like, the history of rock and metal music. Um, the other thing that's made me think of, Nadia, honestly, is uh, Blazing Saddles. Um, Interesting. It, for three reasons. One... Clearly, the objective, the screenplay is by the three members of the Lonely Island, and clearly, all they were trying to do is like, let's put 500 jokes in a 90 minute film. Yeah. Uh, and love that, respect that. Matter of uh, s- Several of those jokes, some of the funniest jokes, are about the N word, much like Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Deborah. <laughs> Deborah, yeah, God, that that's so fucking funny. And then, uh, and the other thing is, like I said, a lot of really specific references to this specific genre. But I think it it works really well for me. And I and that you know part of that is because I fucking like I listened to Macklemore's album when it came out, and I'm yeah. a Tyler the Creator fan. And I saw Justin Bieber never say never in theaters for some reason. But <laughs> I saw the Katy Perry one in theaters. I didn't see the Justin oh, yeah. Bieber one though. <laughs> well, the Justin Bieber one, I got comps uh, to a show through work because we had we were doing a sponsorship. We had a product placement in the movie, uh-huh. so they they sure, no, sure, we did, sure. and <laughs> and so they had a screening at the Glendale Americana. Brand. Oh, nice! <laughs> and just for and it doesn't matter what company I used to work for, but they were a candy company, and they began with N, and they ended with Esley, and. <laughs> I don't work for them anymore, but... uh, I remember when you did, though, you would always bring us fun-sized candy bars, which I really appreciated. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they got us tickets to a 3D kind of like advanced screening of Justin Bieber, Never Say Never, a movie in which at one point he's seen eating sweet tarts. Oh, Uh, okay. Also, LOL uh, that it was in 3D. That makes me laugh because, like, movies aren't in 3D anymore, and I'm so happy. Yeah, it's it's a very 2011 uh, thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I'm carrying all of that baggage with me when I see this movie, too, and it just... This movie was such a balm in an otherwise miserable era of world history. Yes. Uh, but, uh, and and much like a previous Takone film, MacGruber, uh, nobody saw this movie in theaters. I know. You know, my best friend and I, because we, I have a history of the, with the Lonely Island. We um, in high school we discovered YouTube, and there weren't that uh-huh. many people on there. And we were like, who are, who are the Lonely Island? And they had this pilot called White Power where they were <laughs> the three of them got addicted to teeth whitening. Uh-huh. And, and we were like, who are these guys? They're so weird and cool. And they just were such a big part of like my high school experience. And like to see where they ended up is just like so like emotional for me. I'm yeah. just like, this is so incredible. They, they fucking did it in, in like the most punk rock way possible. 
Sandberg has achieved, I mean, all three of them, really, but yeah. Sandberg, for a very specific reason I'll get to in a second, Sandberg has achieved everything uh, that I would ever hope to achieve yes. as a comedian. He became famous. He makes work that people respect. He had, well, The Lonely Island had a, as we'll learn, very large amount of creative control mm-hmm. um, for cast members of SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of basically were allowed to do whatever they want and turn it in, uh, even if Lorne didn't get it and Lorne basically didn't understand anything they were doing. Right. Um, that level of creative control. And then, you know, the other thing about Andy Samberg is, you know, quite frankly, he gets to have sex with Joanna Newsom. And I think that's really admirable. I think that's a really cool thing um, that I'm not going to be able to do in my life. Listen, it's okay. It'll be fine. (laughs) No, but genuinely, though, they're also very nice people. I I interned in 2010, and they were still there, and they were very kind to me and the other post-production interns. Um, One time, Andy asked me to pass him a bread roll, and I said, do you care if I touch it? And he said no. And, and I gave it to him, and so he ate my bacteria. So I love him. But also, he, they're from the Bay Area, and so Bay Area kids like me are just like, holy shit, they did it. Yeah. And that, that's just, I mean, everybody from Chicago is in comedy, but when it's a Bay Area person, <laughs> they're either a rapper, an actor, or a criminal. So when they're, like, doing comedy, that's amazing. And he's yeah. doing all three without the, cra- without the crime. Yeah, and unless you count but- stealing my heart. <laughs> The, uh, the, what else I gotta say? The, the, yeah, no, in Chicago, uh, the greatest city in the world, we do, Mm -hmm. uh, we, it's actually good for us when someone doesn't go into comedy. It's kind of a relief. Yeah. Uh, They're like, I'm thinking of doing not improv, and we're like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, good Uh, for you. Finally, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, with all that in mind, you know, you were there, uh, sorry, I do have a follow-up about the bread story. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So, are there members of the cast that would have cared if you touched it and if there were those members of the cast how would you then deliver the bread to them uh we'll see we all we were all in line and he was cutting in line so i don't know if that says anything about him but i think um i have heard that Kristen wig is a little germaphobic her her taco order was always taco a taco shell a hard taco shell with just beef and that's it Huh, no cheese. Nothing on it. Okay. I thought that was that, interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. Maybe, that I mean, maybe she provides her own accoutrement. Type that in my Google Doc here. <laughs> Taco order. This, okay. You know, this was, uh, how, many, how many years ago was this at this point? A long time ago. And the, these are uh, You, you were there me. basically 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah they stick with uh, you, these men. So you were there 10 years ago, but what about five years ago? Uh, 2016 was the year this movie came out. Um, if I remember right, Sandberg came back to host, right, at one point to promote it, and they, I think they did the Bin Laden song on the show, if I remember I don't right. know, because this was the era of SNL that I thought sucked. So instead of doing the <laughs> history of that season, I do have the list of the, the featured players and the rep players. I went, in, uh-huh. I went into the history of the Lonely Island instead, that's which better. I think yeah, is way, way more interesting. But, what, but uh, what about what about the time Kate McKinnon was Hillary Clinton and she played Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah on the piano for the cold open? And, uh, I and she don't, was like, I'm not giving up and neither are you. Uh, I do not care. <laughs> that one really... 
was awful. <laughs> I have a problem with this cast, and I'll read it out to you. It includes Vanessa Bayer. I love her. Beck love ben- her. Beck Bennett, who we had an improv class with. Uh, A.D. Bryant, Michael Che, who was a Weekend Update host at the time. Pete Davidson, Leslie Jones, Colin Jost, who was, again, Weekend Update host. Kate McKinnon, Kyle Mooney, whom I love. Bobby Moynihan, whom I love. Uh, Cecily Strong, Keenan, who is just the best. Uh, Sashir Zamata, and the featured players included Mikey Day, Alex Moffat, and Melissa Villasenor. So, like, an okay cast. Yeah, but there's, like... Two thirds of those people I don't care about at all, and probably yeah. could not identify. Same. So I yeah. was like, I don't want to go into this. So I am going to tell you about the Lonely Island because, like I said, I have, I think like fifteen year old me is very, very proud of where I have ended up in life in general. But to sure. be able to talk about the history of the Lonely Island on a podcast is very, very lovely to me because I just there's such so joyful in their comedy and I love them so much so yes they are from the Bay Area they're from Berkeley California they became besties in middle school and uh, moved to LA to start making stuff on their own they lived in an apartment together with two other guys including Chester Tam who is uh, featured in a lot of their older stuff and someone else I don't know Uh, and they (laughs) called their apartment the Lonely Island and that's that's where they got their name Um, and in December of 2001 they produced a pilot for a like a DIY television series called The Lonely Island. And their first episode, I mentioned earlier, it was called White Power. And that was when they were addicted to teeth whitening products. It's still on YouTube, so you can go watch that. Um, they also... So guys, just real quick, that's YouTube. And in the search bar, just type in White Power. <laughs> and whatever the first hit is, it's, that's the I would one. say just click on that. Yeah. It's really funny to watch the older ones because, you know, the footage is so grainy. It's just lovely. It's what a trip down memory lane. So uh, the guys got, the dudes is what they call themselves. The dudes got um, involved in Channel 101, which was Dan mm-hmm. Harmon's uh, f- like film festival thing that would happen every week. Everybody would submit a short that is would be like a part of a series if the audience voted that episode to go forward the next week. So then the artists would only have, artists would only have a week to write, produce, shoot, cast all that stuff for the next Saturday and it's a really great thing I don't know if they still do it now because of COVID but it's still up but they did a series called The Boo which was a parody of the OC and that is um where the inspiration for the "Mm, what you say sketch came from yes yes (laughs) that also is on YouTube and it's it features that blonde woman from Scrubs uh Sarah Chalk yes Yes, so yeah. that that's there, and then there they had two viral hits. Uh, one is just two guys, which is Yorma and Akiva uh, rapping monotonely to uh, a beat about sports, and uh, their most popular at the time was called Kablamo, which was a like hardcore rap about being in LA basically it's great Um, but eventually they got really popular online and Fox was like hey we wanted you to do a pilot for us and they're like great and so they did one called Awesome Town which is also on YouTube and you can watch that they have a director's cut on there there's some great sketches that never made it onto TV that I think are worth it and then they got their huge big break in 2005 when they wrote with Jimmy Fallon for the MTV Movie Awards and Jimmy Fallon loved them so much 
that he recommended them to Lauren and Tina, who was the head writer at the time. And uh, you can watch their career trajectory if you go back. It's all on Hulu. Uh, There are sketches where they are poking fun at Lauren. I don't know where they get the balls to do this, but I think it's just because they're very punk rock, where they're like uh, the laser cats, where Lauren is like, I don't don't really know what the fuck you guys are talking about, but you do whatever you want. And that was kind of the way that they did things. Because whenever they would pitch something, it would never get made. And so they thought, we should just shoot it on our own. And, and then, then just turn it in. And yeah. then just turn it in and see what happens. And that's how the digital shorts were created. And I think that takes a lot of gumption. And I'm so proud of them. Uh, and then, obviously, Lazy Sunday was, like, the one of the first huge viral sensations. It was so big that it started uh, iTunes adding songs from Saturday Night Live onto their catalog so that people could buy it because people really wanted to listen to it. And it was playing at clubs and at bars and restaurants. And it was just, like, everywhere. And uh, that started the legacy of The Lonely Island. And, like, the other thing about Lazy Sunday in particular, Lazy Sunday hit on, like, December 2005. It was literally the first week that YouTube was a website. Yeah! Um, I mean, it was up for a while, but they put YouTube on the map. Yes, that's exactly right. And YouTube yeah. would, of course, go on to uh, ruin everything. Right, yeah. But, but um, yeah, the, the level of creative control they got uh, to basically make their own stuff and turn it in instead of pitching it was kind of unprecedented yeah. uh, for the show. And, uh, I mean, few people have done, like, I don't think anyone between, like, the first year of SNL and Lonely Island coming at on SNL, I don't think anyone in that stretch has done as much to change the literal format of the show Yeah, uh, as The Lonely Island has. Even changing the way we look at sketch, too. Yes. Where, like, it, you can do musical sketches in such a way that it has great production value. And mm. it was all under budget recorded inside of their office with, like, no... Yes no you know treatments on the walls or anything they were just like you know getting oh yeah justin timberlake's here let's record dick in a box and win an emmy you know like (laughs) dick in a box famously which they were uh ashamed to show to justin timberlake (laughs) (laughs) Um, they they had like pitched him on something else and timberlake was like yeah i don't know maybe you have anything else and like well we have this stupid thing we wrote and timberlake was like oh yeah we're definitely doing dick in a box (laughs) (laughs) but uh yorma is the songwriter of the, Mm -hmm. the group he does like like Kid Contact in the movie, he does do a lot of the beats and, like, the music. Akiva generally is the director, is the way that they've broken it down. And then Andy, of course, was usually the star in some yeah. capacity. But he was also very talented at fake rapping. Yes. Because he, he genuinely can rap, but he's better at when he's doing it in a fake way. Yes. Which I and, love. And, you know, Lazy Sunday's goofy because this guy's rapping, but it's about cupcakes and Narnia and... <laughs> uh, but then you have, like, these are also, like, good, catchy songs. Like, mm-hmm. I Just Had Sex. Uh, oh, I love that song. Uh, with Akon. And, uh, you know, uh, The Tale of Jack Sparrow is mm-hmm. also really good. The uh, but I do want rap. Yes, the Natalie Portman rap. I want to talk about my, my favorite, which is, of course, Jizz in My Pants. Oh, that's a great uh, one. And just the... Yeah, they do this left and right in the movie. There's, like, a full minute of... <laughs> 
not jokes just establishing what genre we're in just like this you know british uh nightclub banger and then just hard left turn into not just the dumbest possible punchline but the dumbest way to say it which is like they didn't like they didn't do come in my pants which i'm sure was like probably a standards and practice thing but yeah is just like the most <laughs> junior high way to do it and it's so fucking funny it's so good my personal favorite is the boombox song with julian casablanca's just because it's a good song just like yeah the melody is so good and so catchy fred armison's really funny in it and julian casablanca sounds good <laughs> it's it's really really they're so good at being serious about stupid shit and yeah. that's why i think this movie works i'm on a boat they literally played at the bars at my college yeah. like <laughs> and my flippy floppies everybody right. has uh like a boss is like a thing now yeah yeah yeah, they're so, they are they have impacted comedy in such a way, but still nobody really knows who they are, like uh, unless they're an obsessive comedy fan, which I respect. Yeah, I just like I said, I respect them very much. Again, yes. the, the Joanna Newsom thing, I'm still a little jealous, but I'll oh, get over it. I'll get you, over it. Your poor wife. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, uh, jo- I feel the same way about her with Andy. <laughs> yes. My, my bestie, yeah. There you go. My bestie Caitlin and I, we they bought this like incredible historical mansion in Hollywood, and you can like mm-hmm. see these beautiful photos. It, it was like restored, and it was some you know Hollywood persons back in the day, and, and it looks haunted. And I yeah, was no, like, if, Dude. if it's if it's Joanna's house, it has like secret passages and a talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and my friend and I were just like. I am so jealous of her because she gets to get haunted in a house with Andy Samberg. Like, yeah, they have a little baby so girl, handsome. and she has a little baby harp, which I think is very cute. That is very uh, cute. We're obsessed. This is we're like, obsessed. We're this obsessed. is very exciting because also I have to point out that the, this these guys are our generation. Yes, technically, and so it, it plays to our sensibilities in a lot of ways. They are a little bit older than us, but it's for us. Yes. So it's less about, you know, does this still work? It's like, no, this works for us now. Who knows if it'll work in the future? Maybe it will. But it's it's nice to have somebody who's like, I'm going to make a thing for us in in a world where everybody's just making sequels and reboots and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it, to the extent, I mean, it, we would say this is an original concept because it's not technically based on a sketch, but it's right. like, it's based on every Lonely Island video you've ever seen, basically. It's yeah. just like, what if these songs were all by the same band? Right, and we had more money to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so let's talk about it. Um, I just love it so much. Uh, and let me see here. We got... So many things. Uh, we got a whole... like I mean, like we just start with kind of talking heads, talking yes. about um, how great they are. So we get like Questlove being like, yeah, the Style Boys really changed the world back in the yeah. 2000s. So then they talk about their first single, which was Karate Guy. And Nas is like, that song changed my life. And the lyrics are basically like, I got a cowboy hat. Yeehaw. <laughs> now I'm in two cowboy hats. Yeehaw. Well, I'm, I'm just surprised <laughs> at who they could get to sign on to this. I know. And like, I know. Obviously, obviously, yeah. Like, what the fuck is Ringo Starr doing this? But like, obviously, like. Lonely Island 
met everyone who came through Saturday Night Live in like a seven year period, right? I yeah. get that. Yeah. Obviously, Justin Timberlake and Michael Bolton are gonna be in it. I right. Get of that. course. Um, but like the fu- like the fuck is like for DJ Khaled. I don't think they told him it was for a movie. No, I he was they- so serious, and I loved yeah. it. I think they were just asking. I think they were. He just thought it was a regular conversation. To be fair, <laughs> DJ Khaled commits to everything in his life except going down on his wife. <laughs> I was. I was literally about to make a joke about how <laughs> DJ Khaled doesn't go down on his wife. So I'm glad we both got there. It was like, uh, that and that's not defamation. Moment. He's admitted to it. He uh, and so. To it. But the, okay, so what we do find out though is, and it's narrated by Connor for real, who is Andy Samberg. Yes. He says, "Ever since I was born, I was dope," and it cuts to him as a baby playing the drums incredibly. Yes, that that gag was hilarious. Just Which the was baby a, crawling a, over to exactly. the drum set, wailing on it. And it's obviously a, a parody of the Justin Bieber like phenomenon where yes. he got super famous on YouTube, and his mom like also took him like got famous too whatever um but the funny thing is is when they talk about the style boys he's like look our lyrics were beautiful insightful poetic even and then it cuts to them doing a show and the lyrics are you're a motherfucking titty sucking two ball bitch (laughs) with a popcorn pussy and a full-on dick and that just like sets the bar for us for the whole movie and again this is gonna be the pattern of the movie it's like dead we're gonna okay dead serious full minute here of us kind of talking set up set up set up dumbest thing we can think of it's so perfect (laughs) but we we learn more through uh footage of quest love and they did show a tiny snippet of kablamo when Questlove oh, they speaking. do? Yes, which is great. And then Carrie Underwood, Nas. We learned that Kid Contact, who is uh, Yorma, plays, does the beats, and his name is Owen for the rest of the movie. Uh, and yes. then Kid Brain writes the lyrics, and he's like the brains behind it, obviously. And then Connor is a star, and uh, he we see him doing a, uh, <laughs> a product placement for some jeans. White butt the- jeans. <laughs> Where the, on the ass it says exit only, and on the front it says jizz factory. Jizz factory. <laughs> it's nonstop, dude. It's like laugh, 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 laugh. We're two minutes in. Uh, the the um, his uh, the other thing we learn is we we get so first of all we get his like opening number, um, kind of with the title card, and that's uh, kind of uh, humble, right? Mm-hmm. Featuring a hologram of Adam Levine, and then. A slowly increasing number of holograms of Adam Levine, uh, and, and again, it's like part of me was like when they made this movie, like Tupac hologram had come out, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, but like, would that really hold up? And then I'm like, years later, I'm like, well, now everything's a fucking hologram, so yeah, I guess it holds up. It's so incredible. <laughs> the, uh, the we also know that Connor, when he released his uh, first album, it was called Thriller. Also. <laughs> thriller comma also and if you buy the vinyl of the soundtrack it comes with that as the cover very funny that's great um and also connor genuinely expresses his love for his fans he it's yes. very important to him that we very important for us to know that he genuinely cares about his fans which it lays the emotional foundation for us and he says my fans and me were in love my songs our love letters and the arena is our bedroom. The stage is where we fuck. 
Um, we also meet uh, the other members of Connor's entourage at this point. So, you know, he has like uh, kind of these minor characters that circle around him, including a guy he hires to punch him in the nuts so that he doesn't forget where he came from. <laughs> but uh, he also has his manager, who's played by Tim Meadows, who mm. himself is a former uh, former recording artist from a band called... Tony, 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 where each Tony was spelled slightly differently. Yeah, you know, you know about Tony, 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 right? No, I don't. They're legitimately an R and B band. Oh, okay. Yeah. They so, had, so the okay, so the joke is he was the fourth Tony. Though. Yeah. So it's Tony, 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 and Tony is spelled T O N Y, and then Tony is T O N I, and then the third one is T O N E with an asterisk, and people used to pronounce it Tony, Tony, Tony. And uh-huh. so he did Tony, 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 Tony. Tony with the question, question mark. mark. <laughs> Which I love. I love it so much. Uh, and we also know that Sarah Silverman is yes. his publicity person. Yes, his publicist. His publicist. Yes. Yeah. So, or, pu- or publicity person. That's I like fine. that. I like the um, So we kind of get, so we, okay, so we have a great cast set up. We have all these cameos. Obviously, Tim Motos is hilarious. Sarah yes. Silverman's hilarious. Uh, and then we just go into another song because uh, that's what we're here for. And so we hear, uh, and honestly, I really think the songs escalate and each one is funnier than the last, but yes. this one, equal rights. Oh, uh, just I'm not gay, knowing but if knowing was... what it's based on and knowing kind of what led to it is so funny to me. So um, funny. The... The best, uh, so the song continues on uh, talking about how it's not fair that gay people can't get married, even though by then they it's, could. It's 2016, so they can't. So they can't. But he he says things like titties and <laughs> sports, just like under his breath. Keeps emphasizing that he's not gay, right. but it's Leonard important Skinner. that gay people have <laughs> Beef jerky tastes good. Uh, nunchucks uh and so um but just keeps dropping not gay into the middle of like every line of the verse and the and it's just like the other thing is pink sings the fucking hook because of course yeah. that's who you would have sing the hook for this song <laughs> it's so good and it ends up you know him with footage of him fucking a girl while he's talking about sexual yes for all it's just it, incredible just and so again, good I, I just want to emphasize, this was basically a real song in 2012. Yes. This was, this was a song. Macklemore not only did it, and it was a huge hit, but he performed it at, like, the VMAs while officiating, like, 50 gay marriages at the same time. Uh, and, and the first line of the song is, when I was in the third grade, I thought that I was gay because I could draw. Yeah. Like, that was... People loved just. him. He took us to the thrift shop and made us think. Look, thrift. I'm gonna give him thrift shop. I think that thrift shop is still good. Yeah, it's a jam. It's a jam. <laughs> but um, you know, we we see that, and we also see that uh, Owen is now his DJ on set. He's doing backup for him, and his second album is about to drop. And the the I'm Not Gay song was their first single. And we see he's a little, little desperate for it to be successful. Again, laying down emotional foundation in a very incognito type of way yes and and so the other thing so like in terms of connor's solo career so um yorma is his dj but we learned yorma hasn't made any of the beats on this album no right because connor got a hundred producers for 17 tracks just to make sure (laughs) that it was all gonna be hits 
So it's, it's the equivalent of the Eminem album Recovery then. Yeah. And so... <laughs> And, and and then Akiva's character um, has uh, has divorced himself from the band entirely and is now on a remote farm in Colorado. Yeah, we don't know what he's farming yet, but you can tell. We'll get to there. He's in denial a little bit about just how miserable it is to be a farmer in comparison to doing what he really loves to do. He's not happy. He's not. Uh, so um, the other thing is... Uh, you know, the album comes out, the reviews start coming in. They're not very strong reviews. He gets a negative review from Pitchfork. And by negative, I mean he got a negative four. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but, you know, Pitchfork is pretty pretentious. Let's see what else we got. And uh, Rolling Stone gave him the shit emoji, uh, which isn't good. But, you know, he found a better review where they call his album a triumph, and it's from The Onion. <laughs> and I love his delivery of The Onion. Yeah. And then the other thing, again, I can't believe they convinced him to be in this movie, but then he goes on Big Boy's Neighborhood. <laughs> so funny. And they talk about it, uh, Connor's breakout song, which was uh, yes. Turn Up the Beef with Turn Emma Up Stone. the Beef, performed in Spanish by Emma Stone. <laughs> And uh, and that's where we learn about the catchphrase verse, uh, which, which is so Connor has a guest rap verse on this Emma Stone song. And uh, as as was happening, particularly in the early 2010s, rappers mm-hmm. uh, were using a lot of, you know, like hashtag rap, like Lil Wayne did it all the time. Drake did it all the time. Every Rick Ross verse had like Maybach music on yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Connor does a verse that's all catchphrases. It's Connor, bitch. Say word. Dilbert. Doink to doink. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. Dinky nuts. Squirrel jam. Hats. I know it all. Hats is maybe my favorite. Hats or Patrick Stewart money. I like DJ Tanner. Yeah, DJ Tanner, moped music uh, is on there. So, and again, this is just, they've just made 20 jokes in a row, which are funnier if you were listening to hip-hop in 2011, which I was. Yeah. And I would say zero notes on Zero notes. Uh, listen to the full song. It's on Spotify. It's on all streaming. Because the whole catchphrase verse isn't in the movie, and it should be. It should be. Um... And then, uh, and then the other piece of this is uh, the appliance shit. So oh. the other thing he's doing to launch the album is they're doing a tie-in. You remember, and again, it's a 2012 thing, right? Is mm-hmm. when Taylor Swift. Uh, I know you don't like Taylor Swift, and it's our fans have brought that up now. I know. Um, I'm so sorry to be so divisive, but you know there are very few <laughs> things that I dislike. So it must okay. mean something. It's okay to not like Taylor Swift. I I respect that. I happen to like her, but I only like some of her newer stuff. Um, But when Taylor Swift put out Red in 2012, she did a tie-in with, I want to say Papa John's, with one of the big pizza (laughs) delivery chains. It was like, if you ordered a pizza, you could... And Papa John's, everything's turned out great for them, if I remember right. But if if you ordered a pizza, you could add the CD to your order. Um, oh, wow. And 
So girls having slumber parties were getting the new Taylor album. They were blasting We Are Never, Ever, Ever Getting Back Together, you know, or whatever oh, uh, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what Connor For Real does is he's tying it in so that his song plays whenever you open your refrigerator. <laughs> Wait, isn't this also a, a nod to when you 2 put... Yes, like, every t- forced their song out, uh, forced their album out onto everyone's iPhone. Yeah, and so we were like, we don't want this. And it's, yes. the, same, it's the same vibe where it's like you open whatever appliance it is and that song will start playing no questions song starts, asked the song starts playing and ends up causing a blackout on the eastern seaboard <laughs> as it overloads the grid and also again like this joke just makes me laugh very hard is one of connor's friends in the entourage when they're in the uh, appliance manufacturer office like talking through the deal it's like holy shit you're doing appliance shit my and then he says the n-word and he says it the nice way where you don't put the r at the end and this particular character is black, so that's okay for him to say it. And then the appliance executive, who is played by Maya Rudolph, goes, damn straight, Maya. And she also says the N-word, and she doesn't say it the nice way. And everyone's just like, whoa. Hard R in there. Hard R right away, huh? And uh, then we cut to uh, Talking Ahead by ASAP Rocky, where he's like, yeah, you gotta, yes. do, you gotta do these cross You gotta do the tie-ins. It's really hard to make money these days. That's why do you think I do the ASAP Rocky Crunchables? And it cuts to an insert of a base, basically Lunchables with his face on it. Like, what the fuck is he doing in this movie? He's being the best. He is good. He was just on... Just as a side note here, and I'll probably uh-huh. cut this. Okay. For some reason, I'm still getting issues of GQ sent to my house. I never subscribe to it. I don't know why it's coming. I don't know if I want a contest or some shit or whatever. I'm still getting it. Are you reading it? I read the interview that um, Jesus did with Vince Staples. I read oh, so, that one. So you get, you get the magazine and you only look at it for the articles. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, but ASAP Rocky was on the cover of it like a month ago, maybe two wow. months ago. Okay. Uh, as it was literally the header was like, ASAP Rocky, the world's prettiest rapper or something. And oh, I'm like, okay. yes. I see that. I mean, he's, he's dating he Rihanna would, now. He would agree. Yeah. Yes. Oh, is he with Rihanna now? He's Good for Rihanna. him. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, that's another one that I'm jealous of. I wish I was Rihanna's girlfriend. But anyway, moving on. Um, moving on. Uh, he also so he's uh, he's caused this blackout. It's a huge problem. The Chiron on the news program is developing. Idiot causes blackout. Yeah, we got Obama saying that he's a real dumb fuck, which is really <laughs> funny. And well, there... that's because he called because Con- Obama has actually called Kanye West a jackass, right? Right. Right. And uh, the funny thing is, is um, we do see a lot of footage of like fans talking to their phones about it. And then it cuts to someone that I recognize as the, the original Black Ranger from the Power Rangers. Oh, okay. He was like an extra in the movie. I don't know if if anybody watches it. Keep an eye out for that. But uh, then we cut to my favorite. I think my favorite part, which is the CMZ, which is (laughs) a parody of TMZ. So it's it's Will Arnett, Mike Birbiglia, um, Eric, Andre. Uh, Eric Andre, and Chelsea Peretti, right? As the, <laughs> as the TMZ reporters drinking increasingly large iced coffees and just laughing uh, at Connor for Real's flaws, but then the laughing slowly devolves into hellish screaming. It's, it's the nonsense factor is just, this, this movie is the epitome of chaotic good. 
Yes. I think. Uh, and then the other thing uh, that uh, that Connor for real has to do to kind of rebuild his image is he has to uh, find a new girlfriend to kind of reset the news cycle. Right. So he, so he starts dating at, it, it, starlet Ashley Wednesday. First of all, love that her name is Ash Wednesday. Right. Great Catholic <laughs> joke. And I just also love that she's introduced as star of the Cube Theorem franchise, just because that's the kind of stupid bullshit that would happen. Yeah, well, at the be- uh, towards the beginning of the movie, Connor is watching a movie with her in it and Ryan Phillippe. Oh, okay. So, and it was a fake movie that I'm okay. sure Yorma had something to do with because of MacGruber. Because of Ryan Phillippe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, see, you've got to watch the movie so, multiple times to see all this stuff. You do, you do. There's layers. There's, There's layers, layers to this. Uh, um, other favorite scene here is the, well, so the other, so other stuff that's going on. Um, we meet Connor's mother very briefly. <laughs> she's uh, Joan Cusack and she's uh, coked out of her mind. Yes, the uh, co- the kids get their cocaine first, then the moms. <laughs> um, and then uh, the other thing is, we start to hear the early album sales numbers come in, and in the <sighs> so first first week, moves sixty five thousand units. Uh, and and so Connor and Tim Meadows are like talking about it at Connor's place, and Connor's humiliated, right? Because yeah. he, he's just been completely, he, he doesn't know what he's going to do if it's selling this bad. And Tim Meadows is like, hey, guys, turn turn the camera off for a second. Yeah, we need some, like, <laughs> private moment. Because he's getting emotional. Yeah. But but then. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so you don't see any picture on your screen. You see captions of the conversation. Right. <laughs> There's no picture because the camera's off. And they're attacked by a giant horde of mutant bees. <laughs> like what get this bee off me dude oh yeah. no it's the queen <laughs> it's the queen get my flamethrower here it is man <laughs> oh like, my Shh. god she's huge yeah that was amazing cameraman tell me you got that he's like no you told us to turn the camera off <laughs> fuck <laughs> So, basically, all of this, this is about, we've covered about a third of the movie so far, and so far, A+. A+. Uh, It's incredible. They're, again, plot, very thin, but it doesn't matter, because it's fun. They're just, we're just jamming joke after joke into this. Uh, We get another musical number, an incredible musical number, for a song called Finest Girl, parentheses, the Bin Laden song. Which, oh, I love that which song. What, I'm almost positive they did on SNL with Vanessa Bayer as as the finest oh, girl. I gotta watch that. Because um, Vanessa Bayer, as we said before, she has this big, beautiful smile that she always puts on her face whenever she says something very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> and the premise of this, well, the, the song is, finest girl i ever seen in my whole life, want to take her home, make her my wife, knew she was a freak when she started talking. She said... Fuck me like we fucked Bin Laden. Oh, whoa. <laughs> uh, and the song's a banger, too. That's the it's, thing is, yeah. this movie wouldn't work if these songs didn't bang, but all of these songs bang. Yeah, uh, it's really, and- really fun. It's like, this girl want me, wanted me to be merciless and exact to like how we fucked Bin Laden. It's just, <laughs> it's so lyrically hilarious. It's also just very danceable. Just- it's just the very simple we'll talk about you know joke structure very simple game right yes, it's just yes. like this woman talks about having sex like the specific seal team six operation 
Yeah, you gotta terrorize that pussy. Terrorize that put. Terrorize that pussy. So I did um, it. <laughs> uh, so that's really good. Um, uh, there, there's another. I think Mona Lisa is in here too, yes. which is. I don't. This one, I, I didn't. I haven't listened to since I saw the movie, so I don't remember it as oh, well. It's, it's just like. It's just a painting. It's not that good. You're an overrated piece of shit. Uh, why do you look like a garbage pail, a garbage pail kid? Uh, That's right. That's yes, right. it's really good. And Sarah Silverman says, "Look, like Connor's music isn't necessarily something that I listen to, but it seems to make so many people money, <laughs> which is just like it's perfect. Chef's kiss. Yes." Um, but but between the Mona Lisa song, which some of his fans don't like, and the general poor album sales, he is not filling up uh, his stadiums uh, he's not, anymore. He's not. And we do also get to see a tiny baby sketch about Bill Hader being the guitar tech who yes. likes to flatline on yes. his time off, which is basically where he lowers his heart rate dangerously low to flatline and then yeah. is brought back to life. Yeah, like the movie Flatliners, which yeah. was uh, set in Schiller Park, Illinois, by the way. Uh, nice. And, and uh, Cameo, by the way, the doctor who resuscitates um, uh, Hater is Joanna Newsom in a wig. Oh, you were so sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's really funny. But basically, uh, they have to... So basically what Tim Meadows proposes in a very funny exchange is... Um, we have to get you an opening act for your tour to help. Yes, and he says, do you have any ideas? <laughs> and Tim Meadow says, I do, but you are going to like it. And he said, wait, did you say are or aren't? <laughs> are. <laughs> cut to uh, Hunter cut the to Hungry. Hunter the Hungry, played by SNL cast member Chris Red. Let me tell um, you something about Chris Red, besides the fact that we matched on Bumble many years ago. I think, <laughs> I think legitimately in this movie and also on Keenan, I think he's one of the best, most underrated actors of our generation. He is I think so his, funny. His performance in this movie is outstanding. He is so funny and he needs to yeah. do way more. He needs to be given every award possible. He plays, again, the Tyler, the creator type of guy. And uh, everybody, Danger Mouse, RZA, uh, they all think that Hunter is incredible. And RZA it's says... the next big thing. Yeah, he's like, I saw him, he wasn't even smoking a blunt. He was just eating it. <laughs> he's just like the epitome of chaos. Which is just like, and like Chris Red is is doing basically a Tyler the Creator impression and doing it perfectly. Oh. Uh, and again, the song, which you only hear clips of <laughs> in the uh, in the movie, the song is so perfect. <laughs> In so terms good. of just, it sounds exactly like a Tyler track. And the the opening line, which you hear in the in the movie, is stomping through the forest like a retarded Tyrannosaurus. I know. <laughs> and he, so and he, that's offensive, yes. but exactly what a Tyler the Creator track would sound. Exactly. Like. Yeah. So he is everything uh, that. It's like, oh, we're, we're, this is iffy, this is iffy, this is iffy, this but is, it he's, works. He's on the edge, man, but he's just, he's got the crazy eyes and he's just going for it. <laughs> right. He's authentic, so he's young, he's up and coming. 
he's like, I want to be you, but black. <laughs> you know, that's like a strong color. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he starts kind of like shaking up the rest of the entourage. And the entourage is like, ah, like totally freaked out because he like has the crazy eyes and is really intense. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's bring him on. And so he becomes the opening act of the tour. And Owen, your Taconi, is a little bit jealous. Yeah, because now all it's like, you know, he's... Owen's still making his own tracks. None of them are on this album. So instead, he gets uh, the uh, Dead Mouse or Marshmallow style <laughs> uh, giant helmet to obscure his head. Which <laughs> he looks also... like the tip of Artemis Prime's dick. <laughs> Uh, which also, uh, has, like, a giant, um, floodlight on it and also makes the big horn sound from Inception. Right. Uh, so, uh, like, so he's feeling left out and we get a little bit of, um, his backstory as well because he's tried to make his own music and it never really took. And this is where I think we get things in my Jeep. Yes. Yeah. So he, uh... That's uh, Lawrence. Lawrence was... Oh, that, that's Akiva. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Lawrence, uh, he tried to do make it out on his own, and he did These Are the Things in My Jeep. And then Nas is like, yeah, you yes. know, I didn't really relate to that because I have different <laughs> things in my Jeep. <laughs> that that might be my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> oh, good. I, I liked when Ringo said, he made a song about gay marriage like it's not allowed. That's allowed now. Like... <laughs> The delivery on that was really good. Uh, but there is a song that Hunter and Connor do together called Two Banditos, also very yes. good. It, there's a line that says, I fucked your sister with a didgeridoo, and when she came, it was like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and at the end, at the end, Hunter's, Hunter and um, Connor have their arms around each other, and Hunter's like, this right here, this is my... And he says the N-word, he says it the nice way. Uh-huh. And then Connor is just awkwardly like, and this is my friend! <laughs> It's so good. Uh, uh, we also see them at the. Uh, we see them start doing pranks on each other. Yes. Now, now. Very Tyler thing, also. Yeah. Now they're doing pranks on each other. Uh, Hunter takes a shit in the Anne Frank house, which. <laughs> which, which is also based on a Justin Bieber story, by the right, way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, they, they do all these pranks and then they end up at the club and they, they finally are selling out the shows because of Hunter. Yes. Everybody's yes. very stoked. And T.I. is there. Hunter is there. But the DJ does not acknowledge Connor. Yeah. It's very upsetting. He's very upset. So the solution is uh, to uh, 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 gas up the show a little bit more. Right, it's right. to do more gimmicks, and so he starts working on basically magic tricks during the show, which yes. include uh, very rapid costume changes. So, like his his uh, backup dancers will put up a curtain right in front of him and drop it down five seconds later, is wearing a completely different costume uh, while performing. During <laughs> and he the does show. these like really terrible dancing in between, and he's like what is this outfit this looks like i'm going to space and then he changes again and it's like this cowboy outfit with furry chaps and he's like this looks like something a cowboy would wear just very stupid stupid shit but eventually he wants to go for the classic tuxedo and uh, they pull the curtain for the last time and uh he was naked (laughs) he was naked and in order to facilitate the costume changes, he had to tuck his dick back. So he's naked in front of the crowd, but he do- his dick's not out. 
He's like, I want to so, show you my dick, but I can't show you my dick. It's a great conundrum. It's a great conundrum. <laughs> um, so, and, and just the other, the other line that maybe my favorite, maybe me, I watched this with Stacy, made us both laugh so fucking hard. Is the shot of him after the show, like storming around, going, "It's terrible, man. Now everyone's thinking I got no dick." <laughs> He's like, it was only 10 seconds. And he's like, no, 10 seconds is an eternity, Harry. It's a third of the way to Mars. And then Tim Meadows is like, how many times do I have to tell you? 30 seconds to Mars is the name of a band, not how long it takes to get there. <laughs> it's so it's, stupid, but goddamn, so I love it. It's so good. But, you know, how did this happen? This is hmm. an unprecedented accident. If It, it almost is as if... It was a prank. It was a prank. And Hunter the Hungry's like, no, man. If that was me, I'd have to be, like, the greatest prankster in the world. It wasn't me, man. Or was it? And, and then his like, eyes nah, I'm just get kidding. all big. <laughs> his guys get all big. He's like, nah, I'm just kidding, man. I didn't do it. Or Maybe did I? I did. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't really know. We'll we don't really out. know. It'll get resolved. They're going to tie up that storyline. Yeah, but, you know, uh, Connor is really pissed off because people think he has no dick. Like, it's on the news. <laughs> It's on and the news. We see we see later Yorma playing a game on his phone that features Connor not having a dick. <laughs> it's so perfect. And so uh, Sarah Silverman is like, no, no, no. Like, what we need is just to get a different story in the press yeah. cycle. So he is like, I, I like my girlfriend so much. I guess I'll just propose to her. <laughs> propose to her. So he so. sets up this very elaborate proposal uh, where there are wolves because a psychic told her once that she was a wolf in a past life, which totally makes sense, according totally to Totally makes sense. And he gets them from partywolves.com, as we later learn. <laughs> Owned by Paul Shear. And uh, yes. she, he also gets Seal to perform Seal, yeah. a cover of the Mona Lisa song from previous, uh, the previously yes. heard in the movies, about Ashley Wednesday. And yeah. she's like, oh, my God, what's going on? Oh, you invited press? She's very excited for the publicity. Yes. And uh, and he gets down on one knee and proposes to her, but the uh, the wolves are starting to get agitated, and it's the music that's putting them off. And Paul Shear, who uh, has a brief role, brief but pivotal role as the owner of PartyWolves.com, is like, hey, man, can you stop the music? These wolves are getting really agitated. And Tim Meadows is like, I'm not going to stop Seal from singing. <laughs> And so the the wolves get loose. The and wolves they start are loose. attacking everyone. And so they all run to the limousine and they're like, "Oh my god, we got to get Seal." And Seal shows up, uh, breaks a wolf's neck because he's <laughs> he's a badass and they're like, "Seal, how did you do that?" He's like, "Uh, oh, it's not the first time I've run into wolves. How do you think I got these scars and his face?" And then he gets attacked by a wolf again. He gets attacked by another wolf. And and like you're like, if you haven't seen this movie, and you're just listening to us talk about it. You're like, is this movie really that funny? And it's like, you have not laughed until you've watched like 50 minutes of a fake music documentary and then start seeing wolves just mauling people. <laughs> Unbelievably funny. So good. Um, and, uh, and then it's after this scene that he does Fallon, right? Yeah, he's got to go and be more wholesome. He's got to make everybody like him again. What better way than to go to Jimmy Fallon and his Tonight Show? Yeah. Um, so, so he, Jimmy Fallon is like, you know, 
I, I really like what you do, but I really, uh, I miss, I miss the style boys. You know what? I, I miss the style boys. And, uh, <laughs> isn't, uh, DJ contact backstage? It's like, it's so, it's so, it's, it's just every it's so fucking perfect. episode of Fallon. Now, my yeah. opinion of Jimmy Fallon has, I would say, changed significantly in, oh, I don't know, let's say the past two weeks. But, <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for a later episode. But, uh. Wait, what the, happened? Did uh, I miss something? It, yeah, you did. We'll talk about it later. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, it's the same thing that uh, Horatio Sands uh, is in the news for. I don't um, know what he's in the news for. Yeah, we'll talk. You know what? I think it would be great if we talked about that because it's very relevant to our next episode. Okay. So why don't we save it for that? So okay. you can cut. That. In any event, <laughs> uh, in any event, he's on Fallon, and and Fallon has a fucking Style Boys reunion where they put the sweaters on, and Fallon gets to do the donkey roll with them. Yeah, and Usher has a, a talking head where he's like. The donkey roll is the best. That's the reason why I dance. That's why I got into dancing. And like, Wynn Butler and Regina Butler of Arcade Fire. Again, <laughs> how are they there? I think they did a lot of SNL, though. But they like, did, how... yeah. And they're probably friends with Joanna. That's true. That's they a good point. They seem like but... weirdo people that are besties, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, they're, they're, like, they do a talking hour. Like, oh, yeah, no. Junior high dance was not over until they played the donkey roll. <laughs> Just yeah, like, and the, and that's also a great song on the soundtrack. Um, it is a very good song. <laughs> but Connor is so pissed. He yeah. he thinks that this whole segment made him look like a has been. He's trying to sell his current record that's or album that's not doing well, mm. and and he's just so mortified by it all. He's losing yeah. all grip on reality at this point. <laughs> Yeah. And this just a um, testament to how good of an actor Andy Samberg is. Like, despite the fact that there has been so much silliness and nonsense, you really do believe that he is genuinely upset that it's not going well and that he also is just not handling it, coping, coping in any such a way because he's never experienced adversity in his career before. There is legitimately a character arc here. Slight yeah. though it is. Yeah. It's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Um, uh, Yorma, uh, DJ Contact, Owen. Uh, it's Kid Contact. Those are all the same person. Yes. Or Kid Contact, sorry. Um, <laughs> is, uh, is like, okay, you know, the Style Boys thing felt good. Yes. Connor doesn't like it, but we gotta convince him to reconcile with Akiva's character and, you know, maybe we can get the Style Boys back together. The audience seems to really respond to that. And so <laughs> there's this scene where he's like, there's this old, old movie called The Parent Trap. And basically, it's about these two redheaded girls. So first of all, he's clearly watching the remake. <laughs> You're right. With Lindsay Lohan. Old movie. With Lindsay Lohan. Uh, and, and he's like, it's two, and they trick their parents into getting back together. And so there's a scene of him watching The Parent Trap and like furiously taking notes, which is funny, except I was watching Popstar and furiously taking notes <laughs> in front of my wife. So It's really great, but they eventually, he gets all the style boys together in the limo. And yes. there's a moment where they're just like, fuck this, I don't want to do this. But all the fans have gotten through the security barrier that was yeah, so they're surrounded. the venue. They're just around a bunch of fans, which is great because it's forcing them to have an open dialogue. And, <laughs> and it, it all kind of just comes out. You know, it's a very emotional scene with nonsense coming happening around them, which is my favorite yeah. type of scene. Because it's like Kiva taught, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, go ahead. It's like Kiva talking about how, like, basically Kiva's like, I wrote the catchphrase verse. 
Like, you've always taken credit for it. That was what made you famous, but I wrote it. I was always the brains behind this, and now you're not using Owen's beats, you're not using my lyrics, and now your career's in the tank. And, like, it's a very, you know, real complaint, and they play it very straight, and just all around them are just women pressing their titties (laughs) against the car window. Yeah, there's just boobs and butts everywhere, and eventually uh, we see a penis. Full frontal penis. yes. Full frontal (laughs) penis for a while. It's a full minute of a penis. <laughs> and and uh, Andy is talking to Akiva and being like, "No, like, th- I am experiencing success. Like, look at these titties. Like, yeah, I, he's this just is, pointing this, to the dick. Yeah, and he's like, this is for me. I am slurping the milkshake of milkshake <laughs> of success, and I'm slurping it. And it's like, it's the dick. And then he rolls down the window to sign the boobies, but it's a penis instead. And he still signs it anyway because he's a good sport." Which yeah, that, that, that was a funny scene. Um, also around here, we get another one of my favorite musical numbers, which is Ibiza. Uh, oh, Ibiza. And, uh, and so Connor setting it up. Uh, it's like, yeah, we were on tour in Spain, and the people there, they say, Spain, like with a TH sound. Like the whole country's got a crazy speech impediment. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's kind of a funny line. And then he's like, so anyways, we wrote a song about that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> And, and there's a line in the song that I scream in my car, which is, "My our tummies are full of pajeya. Pajeya. <laughs> Unbelievably funny, uh, but again, complete like, and utter turmoil happening out there. The songs are all filled with love and peace, and everybody talks like they got a gap in their teeth. But they don't! <laughs> it's just so good. And uh, things continue to, unfortunately, spiral out of control. You think that that was the end? No. Uh, He's very upset because he finds out that Tim Meadows has signed Hunter the Hungry to be on his uh, roster as his manager. And uh, he gets so upset that he throws a bunch of papers on the ground. And then Tim Meadows says, oh, great. Now I got to collate that. I got to collate that. I love that. I love that. You got, come on, Connor, I got a family to feed. And Connor's like, no, you don't. And Tim, I was like, I got a niece. Everyone has a niece. <laughs> um, oh, so good. So this is basically Connor hitting bottom. Yeah. Like the tour, the rest of the tour is canceled because Connor wasn't filling the seats. Hunter was, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. The rest of the tour gets canceled. Connor's turtle, Maximus, dies. Um, and Connor moves back into his old house in Sacramento while his mom is out following Fallout Boy on tour. Yeah, so funny. But but before he does that, though, he needs to figure out who he can trust. And yeah. this is the grossest part of the movie, which sometimes I fast forward if I'm not in the mood. But he finds some dog <laughs> shit outside in his backyard and uh, mixes it into pancake batter and then cooks it and gives it to his entourage, including Kid Contact slash yeah. Owen slash Yorma. And he's, these, the people are yes men. They're just like, yeah, these are really good, despite the fact that there's literal shit in it. And Yorma's like, this is disgusting. No, This I, tastes like, like shit, man. And he's like, great, you're the only one that I can trust. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, I put shit in the pancakes. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, that's a funny prank. That's a funny prank. But Owen is legitimately like, you can't do that to people. Like, you're, something is off with you. You're not treating people with respect. Like, this really, like, there's the emotional undercurrent is happening there again. And it's played totally seriously, despite the fact that they're eating shit pancakes. Yeah. 
it's it's very well done. It's very the real well emotion done. and the absurd and the absurd uh, framing device. It works. It works. Uh, and so we get Connor's. You know, we get a montage of Connor being like, "I didn't know who I can trust. I def I definitely can't trust the Yelp reviews of PartyWolves.com. <laughs> I can't trust uh, Seal because now Seal's fucking Ashley Wednesday. Yes, and he has an eye patch now. <laughs> um, there's a video on the internet titled "Connor for Real Fighting Martin Sheen." passed out on hoverboard (laughs) and martin sheen was legitimately fucking him up it's so good uh there's he just like home sits for his mom and he's like yeah i've been watching a lot of dressage uh he sells drawings of horses that he makes on ebay for like three (laughs) dollars it's so sad but sarah silverman shows up she's like hey you know i wanted to uh show you something and she played an old uh home movie of connor and owen and lawrence and when they were kids and he didn't know that they were the ones who got him his turtle his best friend maximus who had just passed away and so you know he's like hmm you know i really miss my friends and uh, she's like, all right, well, I'm going to take you out because, you know, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're not doing very well. And so he's like, okay, but let me put on okay, my disguise. But if I'm going to go out, I got to wear the disguise. <laughs> he's got full prosthetics on. He looks like Jason Siegel. <laughs> and uh, they end up going to a show that is, it's always well, show. And, Sarah, Sarah, and he has a big nose and Sarah Silverman's like, you look like literal Nazi propaganda. He's like, no. And uh, so they're at Owen's show, and he plays yeah. a beautiful song. And he's like, I don't think I've been carrying myself very well these last few months. I think the I'm not gay song was offensive. <laughs> he's yeah. like having these tiny little moments of epiphany. Revelations. Yeah. But the and- other thing is Owen is playing this beautiful music, but then Owen starts singing. Oh, God. And Owen can't sing. Owen can't sing. On the soundtrack, it sounds good. But in the movie, it sounds bad. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, he goes up to Owen and is like, hey, like you did a really, that was a really good show. And oh, and Owen's like, yeah, but, you know, I'm not a great singer. You know who would sound really good on it? And he's like, <laughs> uh, no. Who did he say? I forget. I don't know. Uh, I but can't he, remember. He's like, uh, you, no, I'm saying you, you should sing it. You should sing the songs. And he's like... You know, asking for forgiveness because he was being such a shitty friend for so long. And he's like, you know, maybe we should make music again together. And it's a beautiful moment, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there because they got to get Kiva. So they go to Colorado Uh, and uh, they... They reunite with him, they, and the apology for the catchphrase verse is great because it's just Andy Samberg going for, like, three minutes, like, we both wrote it. We were both in the room. Yeah, I was a little late. And, and yeah, okay, maybe you had a few more of the catchphrase. And, yeah, I left her. You know what? I wasn't there. I wasn't there at all. I remember now. <laughs> just... And they instantly make up because that's just the way, if you have a friendship that that's, that is that old and that yeah. special – you're just like, you know what? That's cool. Let's just be yeah. pals again. And then we find out that Lawrence is a weed farmer. And so yeah. they get super like blazed. Like acres, acres of weed. Yeah, so then they get super blazed and uh, just reunite. And it's very sweet to see them all hanging out again. And it made me want to smoke weed. I'm on a weed hiatus right now. A hiatus, okay, yeah. if you will. I, <laughs> they're, making some, uh, they're making some new... 
uh, beats uh, Andy Samberg is seen reading a book titled How to Be a Better Friend. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and Yorma's like, yeah, it's really great. You know, he it, he's taking notes on it. It's all dog-eared and stuff, which is, and also, you know, it makes sense because now I know that he knows how to read. <laughs> so that's heartening. Yeah, um, and then uh, basically we have to get to the finale, so Sarah Silverman calls Connor, and it's like, Connor, a spot just opened up at the Poppies because Taylor Swift was arrested for murder. <laughs> Which is so fun. And so the Poppies are basically the equivalent of the Grammys, and uh, he turns it down because he wants to hang out with his friends. Mm. But the other guys in the Style Boys are like, dude, like you can't do that. And you can't like, turn right. that down. Yeah, he's like, all right, well... I'll do it if you guys do it with me. Yeah. Beautiful so, moment. the agreement is Connor's going to perform one solo Connor song and then one Style Boys song. That's right. the plan. That's the they, plan. They get to the poppies. They run into Hunter the Hungry, who now has a prank show on MTV, too. <laughs> uh, and then they both, they kind of confront each other, but they both get pranked by the show. Surprise, motherfucker, with Snoop Dogg. Uh, <laughs> You've just been surprised, motherfucker. <laughs> So funny. Uh, Hunter gets to present a an award with Mariah Carey and yes. then does an aqua spin uh, ad and she's pissed off about it. And then he's like, fuck you, Mariah. And then she goes to kick his ass and it cuts away, which is a really great. I love Mariah. She's in here twice. Um, and then, yes. but Hunter's out of control. And yes. gets and so, in Tim Meadows' face and he's like, you're money hungry. You made me do this fucking ad, blah, blah, blah. And then Tim, Tim. Meadows goes off. Tim Meadows with the line, I will eat your head. I will eat your fucking head. <laughs> and then uh, Hunter disrespects him one more time, and then he fucking decks him in the face. <laughs> and when he's walking away, he makes this face towards the, the guys who are watching, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Such a great moment. But, uh, you know, Connor does apologize for being yeah. a dick to, to Harry. And so they're backstage about to go on, and the stage manager is like, hey, uh, your slot got cut to three minutes, so you have to either do the Connor for real song or the Style Boys song. And then Connor just kind of looks over in the distance at the two Style Boys, and you can hear the stage manager saying into the headset, no, he still hasn't responded yet. He's just he's just looking at the other Style Boys like he's contemplating the decision. <laughs> uh, he's turning back to me now. Here we go. I think that's Akiva's wife in real life, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, which makes sense. I, I believe all three of their, yeah, all three of their wives have cameos in this film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so Connor goes on stage in solo under a yeah. spotlight. Oh, it, by the way, acapella under a spotlight, like the way every like VMA or Grammys performance starts. Yes, like, right. Pitch perfect setup. Beautiful, and he starts singing the Bin Laden song. But then, yeah, pivot. major twist, he <laughs> says, I'm a style boy for life. And then the, the other, style boys come out. The style boys come out, and turns out they've written a new song, uh, and it happens to be the best song in the movie. It's called Incredible Thoughts featuring Michael Bolton. <laughs> Incredible Thoughts featuring Michael Bolton. Uh, just a Just a list of every image in a pop song that a stupid guy would say, damn, that makes you think, too. <laughs> what if a garbage man was actually smart? A common misconception that we're tearing apart. 
<laughs> a ballerina waits for the bus. That's the best one. I'm sorry. That's so funny to me. Cause the <laughs> and the dr- the drums drop out on that line. And it's just Sam going, a ballerina waits for the bus. <laughs> just like the image of her at the bus stop up on the screen, the jumbotron above them. Michael Bolton singing the hook. Just like. <laughs> I swear my song- mind blows my mind. It's song it's- that could save the people. <laughs> It could end all evil. It could end all evil. And the other thing, you said featuring Michael Bolton, there's actually another credited artist on this song, which is the mysterious Mr. Fish. Ah! Uh, that's, uh, and that's, uh, you know, they're saying, what if a fish could play the guitar and also sing? It would sound bizarre, like, and a mysterious man in a fish costume sings a verse as Mr. Fish. And, uh, and then it cuts to Justin Timberlake, who's like, yeah, the fish was me. Yeah, so Justin Timberlake plays his personal chef his who chef. only cuts carrots throughout the whole movie, which is really funny. And then he has that little cameo in there, of course. And uh, it's overall a huge hit. You know, Paul McCartney, Mark Anthony, Rihanna, they're all enjoying uh, it. John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, they're they're um. super having fun. And, uh, and it's all footage from, like, real award shows. Yeah, from other is, award shows. And they're yes. all kind of facing different directions, which is very funny. And overall, one of the funniest, I, I can't even it tell will, you which one is my favorite, but one of my favorites. It will make your heart soar. Um, it's just, I mean, just an incredible piece. And, you know, it, and, and then you start getting to the wrap up and just like things have turned around. The Style Boys are touring again. Mm-hmm. Everything is awesome. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, Andy Samberg even got a new turtle and the, the final shot of the film is being like, and I think me and Maximus two, uh, are going to have a pretty good time here. Isn't that right? Maximus two. And then he holds Maximus two up to his mouth and he's like, yes, it is. <laughs> and, and then he's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That was me talking. That wasn't Maximus two. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty funny. It's a shame. That's the final joke in the film, but it's not, uh, because then a wolf just jumps in from out of frame and mauls Connor. <laughs> Over. And but then the, credits. But the overall lesson is is narrated by Connor. He says, "You got to be a good person, and the rest will fall into place." And I like that. Love I think it. that that's the the ethos of the pod as well. Yes, we, just, we we really think that you could just do better, and that's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> that's what we're here to talk about. What a delightful film! I think. Um, and I think even with some of the specific reference points this movie makes, they still stand on their own. Yes. Uh, and I, I think this movie will hopefully hold up. Yeah. Um, it's become as... kind of a cult fa- following. It's oh, had yeah. a cult following since it's come out. Uh, because, yeah, I remember seeing this in theaters and we were the only two people in there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and nobody saw this movie. It made like $9 million against a $40 million budget. Horrible horrible disaster at the box office much like mcgruber which is also a cult classic in its own right and i really don't know which of those two i like better it's very close oh really uh, i, I yeah. non for me because of my, just my affinity for pop music in general like it's just it's everything i've ever wanted in a movie for my yeah. life so i think yeah that, that that's for me it holds a special place in my heart and it's also just the music is just so music's good. great that's true so yeah it's it's close. So, you know, and, and I think both McGruber and Popstar kind of point to what a good SNL movie would look like, which is which is just they're not recreating a sketch, right? They're, right. T- they're taking a character, right? Yes. I mean, like, 
pop star they were taking a lonely island but they're taking a character and they're just like we're gonna do a really good tight genre parody right with this character in it mm-hmm. and, even, and it you works know, even without the celebrity whatever that's in there which fills in a whole bunch of time the jokes yeah. are really solid on their own Oh yeah. And, oh and yeah. The I characters mean, it, have an emotional arc, which we have discovered. If the stakes are really low, it tends work. to work. And in this case, because the plot is so thin, it does feel like the stakes are very low, but the drama is very high. Yeah. If you take out the celebrity cameos, guess what? You still got Bin yeah. Laden. You yeah. still got the wolves are loose. Yeah. You, you still, still got. got I, I'm not gay, but if I was. Yeah. You still got not gay. You got Pajea. <laughs> uh, you, you, you got a yeah. lot. You got a lot of good you got stuff. A lot that works here. Um, yeah. So, uh, with that, you know, uh, what happened to these guys since this movie came out? We explore in our favorite segment. Good for them. Hey. Uh, like I. Oh, sorry. What were you guys? No, saying? I just saying that's my fave. I love how you oh, say it. Oh, it's everyone's fave um, <laughs> of the two people that host this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, like I said. Few people have done more to change the literal format of Saturday Night Live in 50 years than The Lonely Island. I guess mm-hmm. Chevy Chase was the first Weekend Update host, so that's something. Yeah. And I guess Dan Aykroyd, like, introduced a lot of absurdist humor with, like, the Bassomatic 76 sketch or whatever. But, like, to create a digital shorts division of Saturday Night <laughs> Live and have that be part of the show is something that basically almost nobody has done in the history of the show right yeah. and, and they continue even, it on even without them they're not as good but they yeah. it still happens yes but the lonely island also controlled snl digital shorts with a basically zero oversight like you were saying nadia they didn't pitch any of their stuff um and wouldn't you know it it was better than like 90 percent of the <laughs> shit that was on snl in the 2010s yeah it was so um, good and Lorne gave them that much leash because, basically, he didn't understand their sense of humor at all. Right. And all of their pitches fell flat to him, but he knew he couldn't argue with the success that they were having, right? Right, like, right. Um, they were getting views on YouTube, and if the sketches were getting on YouTube and people were sharing them, that meant people were talking about the show. And if people were talking about the show, that was good for Lorne. Yeah, so, they were literally the people who pioneered having a sketch live a second life. Exa- that's exactly right. And yeah. so um, so this was a rare instance of Lorne loosening his creative control chokehold on the show. He let them do whatever they wanted, and he was right to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to the soundtrack for Popstar, the trio has recorded four full studio albums. Uh, <laughs> Andy... Andy Samberg uh, has done other occasional acting, and uh, Lonely Island has done occasional producing. Um, so, and uh, Yorma Penfif- was on Girls. And Yorma was on Girls, and you can see his, his butt. butt. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so uh, they produced Pen Fifteen uh, on Hulu, oh, which I have not so seen yet, but I want to. You have to see it so good. I know. Uh, they, of course, produced I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. Incredible. Uh, one of the greatest sketch shows of the past 20 years. Uh, and uh, they produced the film Palm Springs, uh, which, of course, starred Sandberg, which is also really it's good. really good. They just have un- <laughs> unparalleled taste. Yes. And most importantly, uh, the trio was nominated for an Oscar for writing the song Everything is Awesome, 
from the Lego movie. <laughs> yes, everything is awesome when you're part of a team. When you're part of a team. Oh, what a delightful song. And honestly, I love the Lego movie. But let me, just ta- generally. let me say, it's just they're so joyful. That none That's... Of, they never do anything out of malice or to make fun of people in a malicious way. It, it's all joy. And that's it's all I, it's I respect it so much. It's all joy. I'm so glad we're doing this episode as a palate cleanser from <laughs> Stuart Sames's family. I know. So bad. Uh, I wasn't which, mad once this week. Which is <laughs> Which is like I'm sorry, but like, you know, you got Al Franken who fucking wrote for the Harvard Lampoon or whatever and was mm-hmm. on the show for decades and was like this established political comedian and the best thing he could come up with for a movie was that piece of shit. <laughs> and then you got these three these three goofy guys from the Bay Area who wrote Jizz in My Pants. And I'm sorry, Jizz in My Pants is going to be an enduring uh, co- work of comedy and Stuart Saves' his family is not. I know. It's funny because I feel like Stuart Saves... Stuart saves his family is supposed to be this like serious look into self help and like all this and stuff addiction. with a comedic twist. <laughs> yeah. No. no, no, this I think Popstar touches on so many different things in such a smart, dumb way all at once. And you yes. learn something. You do. Uh, is it because of it, Apatow, do you think? Because they said that in interviews about this, they said that they didn't have any type of like emotional undercurrent for a, for most of the drafts of the script until Judd was like, no, you do need I, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I get I think you need a little of it. I don't think you need a lot. Like no. I think like I think Wayne's World has enough and Wayne's World doesn't have a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure, for sure. I know what like, you mean. And that's fine. What I respect is I assume Judd Apatow was like we can make this two and a half hours, and mm. I respect the Lonely Island for being like, no, 90 minutes feels right. Yeah, even then it did feel a little long towards the end. In Yeah, there, there, there are some parts that maybe feel a little long, but overall I'm, I really am happy with it, really loved it, yeah. and we're going to be reviewing a longer Judd Apatow film mm. later in the season. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I keep talking about future episodes. Before we get to that... Um, CommonSenseMedia.org, this is one of our more recent selections, Nadia, so do they have anything on this? We got some reviews. I'm so excited. I've missed the people at (laughs) CommonSenseMedia.org. I went to, the the adult reviews were pretty standard. You know, there's nudity and there's swearing, etc. But I went to the kid reviews because those tend to just be so sweet and wholesome. And I did find two that I loved. The first one is a five-star review from a 13-year-old who says, if you have never seen an R-rated movie, don't see this one. This movie is super funny to me because I am allowed to see most R-rated movies. My parents were slightly concerned about me seeing it, but my friends and I thought it was awesome and hilarious. It does show bare breasts for a a few seconds and a penis for a whole minute. I counted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First of all, I like this movie because I'm allowed to see R-rated movies. Tremendous flex. I know. Uh, But... (laughs) (laughs) But... Uh, yeah, I would say if you are a child, uh, don't see this movie. No, no, no. Uh, no. And this 13-year-old uh, was right. I think, you know, over yeah. time when they watch it again, they'll learn even more about life. They'll appreciate and it more, appreciate yes. Better. But there was an 11-year-old who did see it ooh, and gave it three ooh. stars, uh, said, The song lyrics are explicit, like the one about a girl who wants to frick her like America fricked Bin Laden. <laughs> and that's the whole review. <laughs> 
and I loved it. <laughs> That's very sweet. It's uh, very sweet. But overall, well, it was very well-reviewed on Common Sense Media. Despite the fact that it was silly and full of all of these different things, it got mostly five stars. It, was, it I mean, I think it was a very well-reviewed film in general. I think reviewers were like, yeah, this is really fucking funny. Um, it's stupid, but it's really, really funny. And then everybody was like, well, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. But I think, you know, when we're 2016, where are we in in movie land? We are at reboot uh, Moon, Moonlight winning Best Picture. Uh, and this movie's better than Moonlight. I said it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but this was around reboot, sequel, central. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Heavy stuff. franchise, Marvel Cinematic, Avengers, yeah. Age of Ultron, whatever shit. Yeah. yeah. It didn't stand a chance, but for yeah. the people who did see it, it was usually people who were really big fans of the guys, of the dudes. Yeah. The dudes. The dudes. Yeah, and we love the dudes. The dudes are doing great things in comedy. They yes. are actually, actually being good people and being good people comedically yeah uh, and so andy I, samberg is a an ep for um brooklyn 99 and mm-hmm. because of everything that's been happening with police brutality and everything they kind they delayed the season to rethink the last they're season. like rewriting it right they rewrote the whole thing and it's it's actually pretty good i've been watching it and it is not too preachy but it is okay. it's definitely on the line of we are aware that cops are terrible sometimes. It's, certain yeah. cops. Yeah. Um, so Interesting. So it's, it's really great. I think they do a lot of really good shit in a very loving way, which we don't see a lot of. And that's why I think I love and respect them so much. Absolutely. So nothing but love and respect to the Lonely Island. Uh, any other final thoughts, Nadia? I love this movie so much. Please go on YouTube. Watch the Awesome Town pilot. Watch the Boo Oh, one of the best. I think there are uh, six episodes. They did the last episode. They didn't have time, so they did a song, um, mm-hmm. and that one's good. It's called "We Didn't Do the Boo." Very good. Uh, also, watch their pilot, "White Power," and uh, "Kablamo." One of the best. Yeah. Also, uh, rent the movie, folks. It's a very good movie. So yeah, or buy uh, it because you'll want to watch it over and over and over. You'll want to watch it again. Get the layers. Get the layers. The layers uh, in there. It's like a croissant w- of comedy. <laughs> We'll be back next week with yet another SNL film because, believe it or not, there's still more on the list. And unfortunately, Popstar does represent a high point for us in terms of quality. Uh, Probably should have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll see you next week. Bye! Special to take